Today is Veterans Day, which always brings about a memory for me. Uh, when I was back in Chicago in ministry at Fourth Presbyterian Church, there was a group of veterans who came to worship on the first day uh, I was in the pulpit. They were a group of, veter- of naval veterans from World War II. They'd been trained as officers on Navy Pier. And a part of their training program was that every Sunday morning they were marched up Michigan Avenue to attend worship at Fourth Presbyterian Church. In their late 80s, they had all come back for a reunion. I met them this mor- that morning and got to know them. And I was blessed that in years that came after that, they invited me to again be part of their reunion and to travel with them uh, as they uh, as they celebrated their friendships together and to lead them in worship. Uh, it was something that I w- was able to do uh, more than once. During those times, I developed uh, a great appreciation and love for some of those gentlemen and the ways that they had served and sacrificed for the benefit of all of us. And uh, as I'm remembering that this morning, and I'm sure that you have uh, memories of your own, I would invite any of you who are veterans to at this time stand as you are able or raise your hand and allow us to recognize you. Thank you for your service. Let us pray. Startle us, O God, with your truth and open us to your love. And in this hour, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Two weeks ago, our director of youth, David Annette, met with the youth director at Isaac Wise Temple. They meet regularly to plan interfaith programs for our young people. They often include a representative from the Islamic Center of Greater Cincinnati. It was just days after the shooting in Pittsburgh. David's colleague from Isaac Wise was discouraged. Their community was grieving and scared. Wondering if there was anything we could do to help, David left the meeting with an idea. He talked with the organizers of our Sunday school program, and the following week, our children made cards in Sunday school, telling of our love and support for our Jewish friends. I didn't know anything about that until several days later, when my wife Anna sent me a text message. Her coworker, who belongs to Isaac Wise Temple, received a message from the director of their children's ministries. The message showed a table full of cards from the children of Knox Presbyterian Church. Isaac Wise had shared the picture with all of their families. This mom was amazed by the kindness of the gesture and the hope that comes from knowing that we are teaching our children not to hate. The very same day, I received another message about the same thing, this time not from my wife, but from a Knox member who works at Children's Hospital with a member of the Isaac Wise community. 
These are just the two messages that got back to me, totally unsolicited. These are just the cases where a member of Wise happened to know that a coworker is a member of Knox. These are significant acts of solidarity and public witness on behalf of Knox Presbyterian Church. They were offered by children with construction paper, crayons, and love in a week when many adults were not sure what to say or what to do. As you know from the video you watched a few minutes ago, it is stewardship season here at Knox, and this is going to be a stewardship sermon. It's the third one out of four. If you just can't stand it, come on back on November 25th. I want to be clear about something right away this morning. I do not intend to speak to you today about scarcity. I am not going to tell you about how much we need. We all know that need exists in the world, far more need than we should be comfortable to admit. There are far too many people in the world and in our very own city who are hungry or homeless, forgotten and fearful. But to dwell on scarcity, to suggest that there are not sufficient resources to address these needs, well, some would say that the world over, that is simply not true. If we only had the will, there is more than enough to go around. I'll make a more modest claim. I just want to argue that here at Knox, we have enough to share. We are a tremendously blessed church in the midst of a tremendously blessed community, and we can do things in the world. When faced with the challenge of fear and hatred, even our littlest Sunday school children can do something to put a dent in the problem. So my hope this morning is to talk to you about abundance, about the fact that God has given us what we need to do some good in the world. And if we show up, we can. God has always figured out how to do amazing things with the gifts we have. In the early church, small groups of people came together and shared their talents so that church could happen. If there were going to be a church, there were needs. They needed someone who had a house large enough to hold the whole group. They needed someone who could read the Gospels and the letters sent to them by the, the Apostles and could write letters of their own in return. They needed someone who baked bread for communion and someone else who knew how to make wine. They needed someone who could teach the faith to children and to adults. They needed someone who could sing a song when they got together for worship. And they needed someone who could remind them that they had enough and that by sharing, they might grow their church and make their community a little bit better. They brought their gifts together, and they made it work. Those early Christian communities had their flaws. The letters they wrote tell us all about it. They came from different backgrounds and often disagreed. At times, they doubted and refused to trust one another. Sometimes they would be tempted 
to put other priorities ahead of one another and even ahead of God. Sometimes they grew tired and apathetic about their faith and withheld from the group the gifts they should have been sharing. Paul makes reference to these flaws in his letters, hoping to make them teachable moments. In the passage that we read today, he writes to one of those new little churches, the point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. This is the way human communities have always come together when something needed to be done. They brought their gifts as well as their flaws, and they wondered what God would do with them. And grateful for what they had, they stepped into the future with hope in God and love for one another. I read one author who made that point in reference to pioneers in our own country. He wrote this about two families who went west together. Mary was a bitter person, and Sam given to too much drink. Their oldest boy, John, had a shriveled leg from birth, and the younger boy, Peter, they called slow. He would never learn how to read or count money. The father in the other family, Charles, had lost his right arm in a mill accident back where they came from. Abby was tired all the time. Their teenage daughter, Jane, often drifted away in her mind and forgot what she was doing. And Charles' father, Robert, had a hard time walking. These were the people who created a homestead and a hometown. They had clear problems, limitations, and dilemmas, but they had a clear priority. We must create a community. And so it was that they set aside their deficiencies and instead focused on their capacities. Sam knew carpentry. Mary had known weaving from childhood. John was a tireless worker in spite of his heavy limp, and little Peter loved tools. Charles could do any kind of ironwork and was a crack shot. Abby knew the Bible by heart and could preserve any kind of food. Jane sang beautifully and loved to make a garden. And old Robert had a mind full of know-how about nearly everything. The early church was a mix of little house churches with a few people and few resources, and it became a movement that reshaped the world. Pioneer families had nothing but the tools they could carry in a wagon and hope in God and one another, and their vision shaped our country. In both cases, they had everything they would need. 
it places the modern church in something of a pickle if we want to talk about scarcity, doesn't it? Programs, budgets, paid staff members, alongside stories of early Christians and pioneers, it seems downright ungrateful that we would ever talk about scarcity. I know I often speak to you about patterns of decline in churches like ours, but Knox is a healthy place. We buck many of the trends facing traditional churches. We're an aging congregation that still manages to bring in enough new people to grow a little bit with every passing year. This is a place of abundance. We have what we need. Let me give you a few examples. Does it cost money to sustain this beautiful old building? Well, sure it does. But we can do it. And our buildings and grounds budget also pays rent, utility, and custodial costs for an outstanding neighborhood preschool, many weekly 12-step groups of all kinds, and summer camps for disabled children, among other things. We are one of a shrinking group of congregations that still commands the resources to house homeless families in the ways you saw in that video this morning. And yesterday at Mission Possible, some of you helped keep our costs down by raking leaves and polishing the furniture. Thank you. Does it cost money to make music the way we do it at Knox? Sure it does. But many of you found your way here in the first place and stayed because of the music. And that is still true for part of every class of new members. Our music is part of our outreach. And as a child of two professional musicians and a bit of an armchair historian, I will add this. Churches are the primary creator and preserver of sacred music both contemporary and ancient. Here at Knox, we don't only make music, we create music through people in our community who author music and new music that we commission. At Knox, we continue a tradition of sacred music for the generations ahead when many churches can no longer do that. If you are a musician in this church, thank you. Does it cost money to pay our staff? Absolutely. But day in and day out, I get the the pleasure to watch them help you with the ministries of this church. We run a growing children's program and a thriving youth group that welcomes Presbyterian kids of all kinds of backgrounds from all over our city. We organize programs that welcome adults of all ages for fellowship and education and mission We give generously to mission programs throughout our region, places where we not only send money, but we have volunteers who are actively involved. We visit people who are hospitalized or are grieving, and we offer professional help to the elders among us who are navigating a daunting health care system. It's a lot to coordinate, And most importantly, our staff does not do that work on your behalf. They do it with you 
because so many of you share your gifts. And finally, in an economy where pretty much everyone agrees on the need for wages to go up, we pay our staff fairly. And when you increase your gifts year over year, we give them raises in an effort to pay them a living wage. Thank you. Folks, we have enough. This is not a sermon about scarcity. This is my fifth year as your pastor, and every year we've approved a budget. We make cuts around the edges where it is necessary, and we've added funds in places where where they are needed. We continue to make a significant contribution to Presbyterian churches throughout our region. We completed a major renovation this year. We're constructing a second primary school in rural Uganda, and we are a mission partner with Third Presbyterian Church to provide safety and education to some of the most at-risk children in our city. I do not stay awake at night wondering if we are going to make our budget. We have enough. Here's the thing. All that I've told you this morning We are able to do it all, even though less than half of our members make a pledge. I don't stay up at night wondering whether or not we're going to make our budget. What keeps me up at night, and this is true, what keeps me up at night is dreaming about what this place would look like if everyone made a gift. What would God do with us? What would God do with us and with the tremendous needs that exist outside of these walls if everyone gave what they could? Sometimes I don't sleep because I get so excited thinking about that. I am so blessed to be your pastor. I hope you feel as blessed as I do to be part of the community that we share. Please, prayerfully consider what God is calling you to do to support the ministries of Knox Presbyterian Church. Amen.